Hello and welcome to Let Us Learn More, a podcast focused on produce industry education. As you know, we at the Packer put on a number of events each year and we wanted to preserve all the great information that comes from those educational sessions. This season of the podcast is focused on our Sustainable Produce Summit. So without further ado, enjoy the session. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Ashley Nickel. I'm the retail editor for The Packer and editor of PMG Magazine. We're so excited to have you join us for this conversation on social responsibility certifications. Our panelists today are Ricardo Crisantes, Chief Commercial Officer of Wholesome, Hugo Hayes, Global Director of Food Safety and Compliance for Fife's, Barry Rogers, owner of Rogers Agro, and Matt Rogers, general manager and co-founder of AgSocio. So we've got four different social responsibility certifications represented here today, and obviously there there are more out there. So we'll start by kind of going around the horn and we'd love to hear from each of you kind of what led you to pursue uh, these different certifications and and what value you see from them. Um, Hugo, I know we always think of of Fair Trade America when we think of Fife's. Why don't you start us off? Sure. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, we started off with uh, Fair, Tree, Fair Trade USA uh, not that long ago, and especially in melons, where we're the number one importer of uh, off-season melons into the US. Uh, we have been working, though, with compliance and certifications for, for decades, really. Um, about um, 15 years ago, we started looking at ES, uh, ETI, which was a requirement from retailers in the European Union and the UK especially. So um, we've uh, been having to comply with these kind of things for a long time. Um, the market in the US has uh, has grown in terms of uh, looking at ethical certifications in the recent years. And Fairtrade USA was the one that fit the bill for us, uh, for our melons coming from Honduras and Guatemala. So uh, there's many advantages to that. Uh, We look always to try and um, get the best deal for our workers as well as for our wallets, so to speak. So uh, the Fairtrade USA comes with a premium for for the workers. Uh, it brings a lot of involvement from the workers as well. So we had to train them. We got stuck in with uh, Fair Trade USA to uh, create the associations and to get the word out as to what it meant. Um, it does give us a marketing advantage and um, allow us to access new retailers that uh, may be more particularly interested in that. Um, also, we wanted to reflect the reality on the ground where we do look after um, the different aspects on, on ethical on the ethical side, and this allows us to to kind of put the message out there in a an independent way as well. So we engaged fully with the organisation. We carried out the training, etc. And in the in the in the next few months after that, we also got more and more involved with uh, with the standard as well, with seeing how it related to our own specific situation. Um, so yes, it gives increased added confidence to to clients that uh, they're selling a product that is wholesome and socially um, sustainable, basically. Mm-hmm. And I I believe Hugo, if I remember correctly, along with Fair Trade USA for melons, you guys also do Fair Trade America. I think I think you had mentioned Rainforest Alliance certification. Also, is that right? 
we do so Rainforest Alliance uh, certification mainly for our bananas and our pineapples. So 90% um, of our bananas and pineapples have some social uh, certification, either Rainforest Alliance or Fair Trade um, International, or uh, also um, SMETA audits. So this helps us to reinforce when we have Fair Trade USA. Fair Trade America certification. This helps us also to um, strengthen the other com the compliance to the other certifications too. Gotcha. And Ricardo, what was attractive to, to you all at Wholesome about Fair Trade USA? Yeah, um, we started in uh, 2010 looking at uh, the different uh, options that were out there uh, for our type of farm. You know, our profile is we we operate two farms in Mexico and one here in the United States and. At the time, we were looking for a standard that uh, was compatible with the with our company structure, um, and we chose uh, Fairtrade USA. They were offering the farm worker standard uh, that was then. Now it's called the agricultural production standard, um, but it allowed us to kind of bring the stakeholders in our um, organization into the certification. It allowed us to uh, really kind of create a partnership uh, with our farm workers. Uh, where we're both kind of servicing a market, we're both servicing a, a, a customer, and we're both benefiting from that transaction. And that was really attractive to us. Uh, their standards uh, also kind of went uh, just, you know, beyond the social, but to um, uh, looking into sustainability at the farm, uh, looking into uh, worker welfare uh, as well. So it was a good fit for us. Gotcha, gotcha. And then Barry, I, I know that you worked with uh, GNR Farms to help them get that, that Rainforest Alliance certification for their Peruvian onions. What kind of was was some of the reasons behind them looking into that? Sure. Well, uh, GNR Farms is a 12-month supplier of sweet onions to the U.S. market. And uh, he was approached by the trade that they, and they were interested in, in what he was doing for, uh, for, fair, for fair labor and fair worker rights and so forth. And uh, he decided on looking into rainforest certification. Um, we, we went and established uh, some growers. We, we work with a, a great deal of growers in Peru, uh, but we found two in particular that were interested in growing with us in the program. And uh, and uh, they, Peru happens to be a really uh, good country for fair trade. They they already have, uh, I think, uh, a fair trade uh, standing in the world. So uh, compliance was just a little tweak here and there. And um, I I think one of the things GNR uh, liked about the rainforest program is that not only does it include the people. It includes the environment. It includes uh, trying to keep up with water quality, uh, working on you know uh, not not using more pesticides than you need, or 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 pesticides that are possibly banned or can hurt hurt the environment. And uh, he, I think he got pretty excited about uh, the fact that we you know we not only were we helping the workers, we were helping the environment. And Matt, I know from your retail background and some other endeavors as well, you're really familiar with the EFI certification. What are some of the key things that, that go into that? Yeah, um, well, I can share that one of the primary reasons that 
that um, we're interested in EFI is that it's not only a certification program with the benefits that that brings in terms of adding rigor and transparency around sort of important topics in an operation. It's also uh, a workforce development program. Um, since finding the right quantity and quality of labor is a major struggle really everywhere, um, and more and more critical every year as costs continue to go up, we really see the potential for EFI to serve as a framework uh, for us to uh, become employers of choice so that we can recruit and retain the best workforce possible um, and create an environment in which we can all together move toward the most productive, efficient, uh, sort of mutually beneficial um, environment possible. Uh, so EFI certification covers food safety, pesticide use, and labor practices. There's also a premium payment element that gets passed through the workers. It's paid by uh, some participating buyers. Uh, but it really focuses on this, um, turns on this concept of workforce engagement through the creation of leadership teams um, that kind of include participants from all around the farm, all around the operation. Uh, they're trained on communication skills and conflict resolution. And hopefully that creates a open communication uh, environment where, where um, not only can the standard and compliance with the standard live day to day and really with the workforce, um, as opposed to just sort of this annual audit that, that somebody pops in and does once a year. Um, but hopefully also that communication process can, can bring other benefits uh, to the business and to the workforce. Um, by being able to share concerns, share objectives, talk about productivity, talk about costs, et cetera. Gotcha. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, costs, Matt, because that leads us into our next topic, which is the return on investment for all these different certifications. I mean, um, Ricardo, you you mentioned when, when we all kind of talked about this on the initial call, when you first started exploring this a little bit years ago, um, talking about how, you know, a company really has to look at it as a little bit more than the dollars in, dollars out, you know, some of the other benefits. Well, what was your guys' experience kind of looking at those things initially? Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, our, our journey started with us uh, looking into uh, the certification and, you know, we saw the standards and we saw what we needed to change and how much training we needed to do. And we, you know, started calculating, you know, what the cost would be to our operation, right? And um, when I, you know, we were able to kind of present it to our board, it looked like we were going to need to uh, make a, an investment uh, in, in all of our operations, some changes uh, structurally, you know, bring in some new resources for sure, right? And it was going to be um, a cost endeavor, right? Um, and, you know, I told my board that uh, we were going to be charging a premium and they told me, well, how much of the premium are are we keeping right the, the the growers and they said i said guys uh we're not keeping any of that uh we're giving it all to the um to the farm workers and they were like oh gee and why should we do this then i mean if uh if it's gonna cost us you know the estimate was you know a hundred thousand shouldn't we just kind of give out checks to everybody and be done with it and um you know what i challenged my uh board of directors and our leadership team was that look if you invest these hundred thousand in, in in this certification, we're going to go out to the market and we're going to bring back double the amount of benefit 
to our workers, you know, an equivalent of uh, 200,000. I'm just using these numbers to make a point. Um, our board of directors saw uh, how we were committed to it. Uh, they gave us the go ahead. They gave us the the uh, 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 the pass to go and try it. Um, and we went out to the marketplace. Uh, we had already, you know, had previous conversations with a, a few of our key accounts, and we were willing to back it up. So, um, you know, happy to say that um, on our first year, we we're able to kind of exceed that uh, uh, benefit that we had promised our board of directors. And and then after that, the the uh, the, the certification kind of took a new meaning when we were able to start bringing in some benefit to our farm workers. Uh, when we started to kind of transition from, you know, this program is going to work like this, and in the future we will have these resources to actually having these resources. You know, some of our first uh, uh, programs were actually educational and buying um, school buses to uh, move students from our farm to the school on a timely basis, safely. Uh, it changed everything. It really kind of became a certification that transformed our company uh, into aligning farm worker and farmer together. And from then on out, um, it, it has been a great success. Awesome. And Matt, again, with your retail background, when we talked about this earlier, you you gave such a great list of, of things that are, you know, kind of intangible benefits that, that go along with this. So what do you see as kind of the biggest, um, the biggest return on investment areas, I guess, for some of these different certifications? Yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, the answer on return on investment is not that a buyer is going to drop out of the sky with money bags as soon as you get one of these logos that you can put on your product. I mean, I think that's obviously what 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 a lot of people would ask for, even not a money bag, maybe just a couple dollars. But typically, uh, there, does, there is not much of a price premium that growers should expect from these certifications, I think. Uh, in my experience, that's not really real. Maybe you can achieve sort of preferred vendor status with some of the buyers who uh, recognize the value of the sort of transparency represented by all these certifications. Um, a buyer should see it as, a, as, a, as an important step that you've taken to the legitimacy of their supply chain. Um, but what that's worth in terms of dollars is frequently um, not much, and hopefully it's worth some additional business. Um, but then I think the, the real return on investment can come from um, if you really fully implement and commit uh, to any, really any of these certifications, I think you can achieve um, a healthier organization, a more engaged, um, motivated workforce, more loyal workforce. Um, I think that's really kind of runs the gamut across all the standards that we're talking about. Uh, but of course, just achieving the certification doesn't get you to that point. That's really the starting point. Um, and at that point, you're going to really transform your organization in a lot of ways to, um, to really fully realize the potential. And it's a long, it's a long road, but um, I've seen it be very worthwhile for, for many companies. Gotcha. And Barry, I, I remember you talking about uh, GNR Farms, obviously getting the Springforce Alliance certification pretty recently. Now, what's been kind of their uh, initial experience with with the benefit of that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what GNR. I think um, you know he he was he was prompted by customer demand. 
to, to look into this type of certification. And, and he did get a, a gratifying bump from doing it. Uh, I, I agree with Matt in the real world, you know, that's the exception, not the rule. Um, but, but he, he did get a, a real bump in business from it. Uh, and, and he's able to market it to other people now too, which, which could, you know, be more POs. Uh, you know, is he getting a premium for the product? No, but some, you know, premium isn't always the extra dollars. Sometimes it's the extra volume. Sometimes it's more consistent volume. Um, and, and I can tell you that, uh, one of our growers that we certified in rainforest really saw a marked improvement in his, the quality of labor and his efficiencies. So whatever he tweaked, and I, and we always thought he was pretty good to begin with, but whatever he was able to tweak through this program, he, he really felt like he got a benefit in productivity out of his employees because they were either happier or more efficient. You know, he didn't really articulate exactly what it was, but you know, anything you can, you know, a happy workforce is always going to be a more efficient workforce. So, you know, I think DNR has gotten several different benefits. Can you put a, a monetary price tag on all of them? Probably not. But he, he has definitely seen the benefit and he's embraced the program for the future, you know, which I think in any business owner, uh, you know, if they're willing to reinvest in something, they've seen something positive out of the, you know, out of the program. That makes sense. And Hugo, I wanted to ask you about um, as far as return on investment. And a lot of times that's something we talk about, especially when there's something you're taking on that, you know, might be considered, you know, good to have, but not necessarily necessary. But obviously you, you all sell into more than just the U.S. I, I remember you saying particularly in Europe, um, these kind of certifications are a little bit more table stakes maybe than they are in the U.S. Is that right? Yes. In fact, they do become market requirements um, as time goes by. Um, the, we have to look also at the reason for these certifications. In the end, they're basically there to build trust. And it's um, having transparency between what the retailer wants to communicate to their uh, consumers or what they want to have as part of their due diligence and making sure that you're doing this for them on the farm. So the certificate in the end is the, the uh, way to convey that trust. Um, we try and go uh, further in a way in terms of looking at projects that uh, retailers want to do to develop certain areas, to make their added value message as well. Um, but um, yeah, certifications have multiplied and they have become uh, some, somewhat uh, devalued in that way because there are so many of them that um, it, it, it becomes a real task sometimes to try and get that ROI uh, back from, from the multiplication of, of different certifications. And Hugo, that leads us perfectly into our, our next topic, which is, of course, whenever we talk about certifications, we inevitably come to a discussion about audit fatigue. I mean, there's so many um, of these different great options out there for social responsibility certifications. And with those generally come audits. And everyone's also got food safety audits and, and other things uh, to also contend with. Uh, Ricardo, I remember you were saying how happy you were when you found out Walmart's, you know, list of approved 
you know, social responsibility certifications includes Fair Trade USA. So that was, you know, one less that, that you guys had to worry about. Um, for folks who might not be as, as familiar with that, how much of how much of a burden or, or time consideration is an additional audit? Right. Uh, certainly puts a strain on our organization. Uh, you have organic certifications, you have food safety uh, uh, certifications. Uh, on top of that, a social certification. It can get um, uh, pretty rigorous for uh, the operation that still has to pick, pack, and ship, uh, you know, wonderful produce, right? So it, it is a real uh, concern. Um, you know, what uh, what we've been seeing in the, in the, in the past uh, few years is that retailers have started to kind of look into these certifications and then approving them as a uh, an acceptable uh, uh, measure to to comply with their standards and their policies. Uh, so for us, uh, Fair Trade USA uh, maybe uh, uh, was accepted at the beginning by a few uh, retailers, um, and in the past few years, like you mentioned, uh, Walmart uh, just did it this year um, o- over the spring, and other um, retailers like. Um, uh, Kroger uh, have also approved it. So that actually brings a little uh, more value and um, also relief that we don't have to, you know, go for another one, uh, which would be uh, for us uh, uh, certainly a big burden to have. I mean, I think we're all in this industry finding ways to try to streamline our certifications. And if we can find good partners with our retailers to look into these standards, see that these standards really are compatible, right? And, and then we can also uh, look at them as a whole um, and, and accept them. Um, I think we're going to be in a good uh, place. Gotcha. And Hugo, you had mentioned earlier, you know, get, getting involved in in some of the these uh, standard creation, you know, boards and committees to to get a voice in in what all gets included in these, and especially any any sudden changes, you know, that that might kind of throw things for a loop. Uh, what's been your experience uh, getting involved in that way? And, and what are some things you hope to contribute in that regard? Yeah, no, that's that's right. We've been involved with Global Gap, for example, uh, since uh, 2000. I'm on the board there. So we get to understand and to somehow put the point of view across from the grower um, as to what reality uh, is, is, is really about. And uh, some of the clauses that are put in standards are not really related to reality sometimes at the beginning. So you need to have that, you need to have somebody who represents the sector um, to be making that ma- making that position. So in Global Gap recently, the well, as all these standards go through revision processes every two, three years, and it's important to be um, ready to comment and put forward your, uh, com- your list of complaints uh, to the standard when you have that opportunity at the beginning of the revision standard. With Global Gap, for example, now we're looking at data-driven approach and we found that a lot of these standards have very have a core that is common to all standards. So why are you asking the same questions many times over in different re- different audits? Why not have some way in which data is universally accepted by the different standards? So that's one way. Another way is to have certification bodies which on the same day do a checklist which covers several certifications. Um, it is complicated because of the different dates in which these uh, standards get revised, but it's another way as, as well going forward. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. 
And Barry, with the with the Rainforest Alliance certification, I thought it was so interesting because you had mentioned with that one in particular, it's not the same every year. It's a, a progressive certification where you kind of start at one level and, and then you build up. Um, to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, what they do is they've got basically a six-year program that's three different tiers. Of course, the first one is they want they want you to to to, to learn how to teach your people uh, different aspects of the, of of what they're doing, like the you know maybe maybe the um, the water conservation or the sanitation or whatever, and then uh, it, the benchmarks. Uh, you know, they want you to continue to progress along the way. They want you to get better. They just don't want you to meet a standard and put the certificate on the wall. Uh, it, it's they, they really induce you to, to try and improve over time. Uh, our program will go through its uh, second tier audit uh, next, next January. We'll start working on basically year three is the second tier, and we'll start doing that. And, and actually, we've already... <laughs> We've already started looking at the materials to try and you know get up to speed on it. So, so it, it's not as a, it's not as uh, I think uh, intrusive as as um, <clears throat> as food safety is, where you have to do it every year. You know, it's it's really a two two three year uh, turnaround for for the certification and and meeting the metrics and, and benchmarks, um, but. But it encompasses everything. It's very holistic. So you know, there's there's a lot to learn, a lot to do. Um, I I think you don't necessarily get kicked out if you don't meet them. But then you have to, you know, if you fail some standards, you got a period of time to fix them to go to the next level. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, we're we're kind of young in it. So. Gotcha. And Matt, again, with with your background on on the retail side, what do you see kind of down the line in terms of um, either folks kind of continuing to, well, I I like this standard and that standard, you know, from retailer to retailer, or do you think there might be some alignment down the road? Um, It seems like it might be easier for even retailers to have some alignment along with easier for suppliers. Yeah, I think alignment it would be more alignment would be better. I am skeptical that we're going to get to the ultimate, you know, Shangri-La of that one unified standard that everybody agrees on. I'm not even sure that would be the best outcome. I think there's value in having uh, different solutions for different growers growing different things in different places all around the world. There are different issues and different approaches that are going to make sense uh, for different people. Uh, there is a lot of redundancy across a lot of these standards. And to the extent that buyers who are often requiring these standards can do the work on their end to understand what's inside these certifications and these standards and understand the redundancy and, and, and allow more uh, equivalent, allow equivalency and allow more, um, more programs to comply with different elements and just maybe allow a, a grower, maybe then to fill in some gaps um, that would really be, I think, a, a major step forward. And, and I, you know, I think the, the more that people can move away from these proprietary audits that a retailer has a very specific set of things that you have to do for them, the better. The more that I think there's value in third-party um, programs that, that, that multiple people can participate in and that maybe a, will have value for multiple people in the supply chain of a particular producer. Uh, so those are all, I think, 
and, and, and that's happening. I think a lot of that is, is kind of happening. I feel like it's moving a bit in the right direction. Um, but I don't think it's realistic to think we're going to get to that one standard in the sky. Um, but I think we can move, move toward a more efficient uh, reality. And, and I kind of feel that, that there's some of that happening. Gotcha. And I know we're running short on time, but one more real quick for, for each of you is just what do you see as far as the, what you're hearing from the consumer perspective on the value and the importance of these certifications? Um, just what you've heard around or what you've heard from customers. Uh, Hugo, let's start with you. Well, uh, there is, as always, stratification between them, the different consumers, but there is a growing number of consumers that are demanding and expecting more sustainability on the social and the, on the environmental side. So that's a, that's a given nowadays. Ricardo, how about you? Um, I, what I see from uh, consumers is that they want you to make the responsible choice. Um, they maybe don't understand the intricacies of like what is a fair trade certification. Uh, but I've seen some studies that says that consumers do recognize the fair trade uh, logo, something like in the high uh, 60%, right? So there is a, an awareness out in the marketplace on these certifications and the value they have, for sure. Awesome. And Barry, what, what are you hearing and seeing in that regard? Yeah, you know, Rainforest, we're, we're kind of happy we picked Rainforest because they, they had, uh, I think, some retail awareness and consumer awareness. Uh, they they started they basically back in 2005 with with things like bananas and pineapples and coffee and and you know some commodities cocoa. So I think they already had uh, you know consumer awareness. Um, and uh, you know our our decision was initially based on 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 the buyer asking us. And we I can only assume that the buyer just isn't you know, coming up with what certification he wants with nothing behind it. I, I think probably it was it was pushed to him by the retail side of his business. And uh, and it makes sense, you know, it makes sense to, to try it and do it. So we're, we're, we're excited about it. We're, we're going forward. So. Awesome. And Matt, we'll, we'll leave the last word here with you. What are you hearing from, from the consumer perspective just on, on how much they value this, on whether this is top of mind? Well, um, I'm, I'm buried pretty deep back in the supply chain now in my work, so I don't hear much from consumers. But I think my, my experience is that there's the carrot and the stick with consumers on this topic. Uh, the carrot tends to be fairly small. There is a niche of supply of, of consumers, I think, that actively seek these labels out and want to understand them and, and are going to opt for them, um, hopefully a growing group. Um, but the, there's also an element of, of, of pursuing this type of transparency as represented by all these third-party standards for both a buyer um, who has a brand to protect, a brand to think about, as well as a, a grower um, or, or anybody with a, with a brand. You're putting your name on a product you have your name of your company associated with it. Uh, there's a brand risk associated with the potential that consumers find out that you're not doing something that they thought you should be doing uh, through some sort of media event or other kind of uh, thing you can get caught up in. Uh, and these certifications can help you avoid um, some of those pitfalls, maybe by um, surfacing some issues that you didn't know that you had, 
but also by bringing in some experts, uh, getting a little, you know, some open uh, additional eyes on your operation, um, building some allies in the community of people who work with these NGOs uh, so that you're not trying to do it alone and, and maybe you can avoid that, that kind of negative uh, pitfall. So I think there, hopefully there's a market incentive to do some of it, um, but there's also uh, the idea of just protecting your brand um, and protecting the brand of your customers. That's a great point, Matt. I think that just about wraps us up. I want to give you all an opportunity. If there's something that you were you were dying to say on this topic and we didn't get to it, it anybody uh, have anything else to add or anything we may have missed? I would just say for any grower that uh, is thinking about it, um, it's not going to pay right away, but it's going to be totally worth it. That's kind of been our experience. Yeah, my, my, my comment would be that growers should consider these, do your research, vet these different standards. They're, they're similar but different. Uh, and pick the one that's right for your culture and your operation and that your buyers have more likelihood to recognize value in. Uh, you know, and do your research and really understand the cost, understand what the benefits might be. Talk to the certification or interview them like they're a seed supplier. For me, I was going to say that these standards are about uh, communicating or giving transparency in the supply chain. And transparency is laborious. It takes an effort, but it's also something you can use to your advantage in terms of communicating positive things about what you do. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's just fine, Barry. Hey, thank you guys so much. You all have been been so great on this topic. I think it's a really important one, one we're hearing more and more about. Um, and certainly always always great to hear from, from folks ahead of the curve in that regard. So thank you, Yin, for taking the time. And we will send everyone back to the rest of the Sustainable Produce Summit. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks again for listening to this great content from our Sustainable Produce Summit. We hope to see you at our next event. Remember, we've got West Coast Produce Expo, the Global Organic Produce Expo, and the Sustainable Produce Summit all as part of the roster. And of course, you can always read our reporting on thepacker.com and producemarketguide.com, along with our weekly newspapers and magazines every other month. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Let Us Learn More podcast.